Dude, how many hubs do you have? You got G-Hub, you got Tone Hub, you got Pornhub. We don't support them. Not in this household. They don't accept your credit card anymore. <laughs> Always use prepaid, you schmuck. Console Crusade Podcast. I'm EJ. I'm here by myself for just a moment here just to kind of preface what's about to go down. Unfortunately, as uh, you may have heard on the last podcast, we kind of had some technical difficulties a couple weeks in a row. Uh, two very different problems. Last week, uh, we managed to skate by. This week, unfortunately, we've lost some audio. And by we, I mean me, because that just uh, that's just how it goes sometimes. So the first, I would say, half hour, uh, we're not losing anything. It's all good. Uh, and thankfully, on this pod, Chris joins us again, and he and Nick talk for quite a bit where I'm kind of in the background of that conversation. So there are a couple of points where I've had to lop off chunks where I was in the middle of saying something when my audio cut out. So there's definitely some stuff missing. Uh, it just is what it is. I try to make it as coherent as possible. So hopefully, when you're listening to this, it's not going to be weird or funky, and you'll be able to you know, experience it mostly as intended. Chris's audio is what it is. Next week, we will finally have Chris dialed in with a a new mic, so we're all going to sound super crispy. The title of this pod, obviously you saw we're talking about Donkey Kong Country, the series on Super Nintendo. Like I said, the audio that is missing, we were were mostly kind of chatting about DKC3, which I, I haven't played. Uh, It's the one of the trilogy that I didn't get to, but I did lose a section where I just touched on how fortunate I feel now as a 28-year-old dude with a 12-year-old brother and as someone who will eventually be looking at having kids of his own. Uh, I just, you know, playing through these games, uh, I just felt lucky that these games hold up in a way that is still fun today. Uh, and not just in a old man yelling at cloud games were better in my day kind of thing, but you know these are still games that hold up and are fun, such that my little brother can play and eventually, hopefully, you know my own kids will be able to experience. And a lot of games, listen, a lot of games that we grew up playing, I grew up playing specifically, not great games, right? I think in the original pot I shouted out Croc on the PS One, like not a game that I can go back and play, and I just kind of let that live in the uh in the in the recesses of my nostalgia as something I liked then and wouldn't like now. But unfortunately that whole part of the conversation is missing and because my whole preamble was lost, I cut out just everything in Nick's response because it just didn't make sense. So that's unfortunate. But other than that, the conversation is here. We just chat about our experience playing these again and yeah, it's a it's a cool conversation. And like I said uh, stay tuned next week. We'll be back talking 2021 and all that and kind of what's coming. So, hell yeah, Console Crusade. Console Crusade podcast. <laughs> it's the first podcast in a long time. Actually, you're probably hearing this after another podcast, but it wasn't recorded after that podcast. I'm EJ Olson. I'm with Nick Durheim. Finally, 
And apparently, our our third co-host, uh, let's make it official, Chris Gillyfor. <laughs> Thrilled apparently, to be here. He's he's too stoned to even speak. I'm just soaking in the moment. I mean, this is a real achievement. Like I have actually listened to episodes of this podcast now, so I know I'm attaching myself to something of a uh, pretty decent quality. You start at the beginning, which is horrifying. It, it was and is. You get to see the 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 meteoric rise and fall. Of our recording process and quality. You should have Benjamin Button that shit. So like <laughs> you could have at least enjoyed something for a while before you got to that early stuff. But hey, now, all- if you watch, if you listen to our podcast in reverse, it's like watching Game of Thrones. It just gets worse and worse. And then you end up just disappointed. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I've been rewatching Game of Thrones. I finally. Oh, took no, the I didn't plunge. need to get you on this tangent. Listen. Let's talk about Donkey Kong Country. <laughs> the way they massacred my boy Tyrion. Okay. <laughs> It's it's similar to how they massacred DKC3, okay? That's just my hot Which you haven't even played, so what do you even know? Unfounded uh, and untrue. Yeah, this is. I'm just trying to get Chris riled up because I'm sure the third one will be his favorite because he likes playing as that fat little... What, what's his name? Joe or something? <laughs> it's literally Joe Kong. That's great. That's real good. You must be Joe Kong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Okay, so... Today, this is going to be a little bit of a one-off kind of thing where we're just going to you know, talk about some some old games. Uh, months and months ago at this point, I, I don't even know if it was 2020 anymore, uh, we were like, let's just play through the DKC games because they're on the Switch, and we'll talk some shit about them. I think we all have a soft spot in our hearts as, as young, young uh, ruffians out in the streets. Playing our Super Nintendos. That's where I played all of my Super Nintendos on the, the the cold hard streets. Yeah, going into game crazy and playing their kiosks, getting kicked out because we were wearing rags and no shoes. Rip in peace, game crazy. Yeah. So yeah, this is going to be a little bit different. We're just going to talk shit. It's going to be probably completely meandering, and um, I have a few notes, so maybe it'll be you know somewhat structured at first, but then it's just going to be you guys going ham because I haven't played the third iteration. Well, the th- I think the reason that we wanted to do this was because they had DKC f- from the beginning. Or did they do one and two at the same time on the uh, Switch Online? But they did that over the summer where they added two at the very least. And then just like a month ago, because they've been doing shadow drops all year, they'd announced that uh, December's additions to the Super Nintendo Online would include DKC3, which I had not played to completion in a hot, hot minute probably since I had it on the Super Nintendo way back in 1996. I have, I've never even played the third one, even as a kid. I, uh, I've only ever seen like Let's Plays and like, you know, watching nerdy YouTubers review it. But I have a lot of nostalgia for DKC2. Was, that was the first Donkey Kong uh, game I played. It might have been the first Super Nintendo game I've, I ever played uh, at a neighbor's house. And I have this very distinct memory of of the bird, the the boss, mm. and my neighbor saying, oh, dude, he's a cinch. Dude, he's a cinch. And I didn't know what that meant. So for years, as like, I'm like a five years old at this, at this point. For years, I thought like bald eagles were called cinches. I had no clue <laughs> what he meant by, dude, he's a cinch, dude, not even a problem. And I'm like, what are you, t- okay. I love your logic. I love the way you put things together in your brain. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, as a five-year-old or as a 28-year-old, it's all the same. 
I don't know if where you want to start. Do we want to do we want to compartmentalize? You want to talk graphics? You want to talk about gameplay? You want to talk about big old shrug? I, I mean, I it would be cool to be uh, you know thorough and actually talk about all the different aspects of each of these games. But I don't know if we have the bandwidth or the headspace to actually do that just off the cuff. The only thing I have prepared is just a list of stages and their names, just to remind me about what's what. <clears throat> but beyond that, I, I don't have that kind of I don't have that kind of brain power to just summon that that reviewer. Just like this is what the graphics are like. I like the sound in this one. Sure, the animal buddies, the companions. I appreciate the mechanics of the bonus stage in this level. No, I don't have that kind of I don't have that kind of power. Uh, so th- these games were big for a few reasons. First of all, if we are talking graphics, the pre-rendered graphics were insane for their time uh this was like the most yes quote-unquote realistic looking game and it took full advantage of that that hardware so that's one of the reasons this game was like so or did so well initially was it was it was very flashy was there anything like donkey kong country before donkey kong country with the pre-rendered graphics no i just mean i mean as far as the whole package i know pre-rendered graphics existed they weren't you know i mean arcades especially did a lot of that, but because it was basically like the the way Mortal Kombat did their human photo and like tracing them out and just doing animations with that, but with a, a a CG sort of the silicon graphics computer stations that they were working with, and I know other games did uh, similar stuff with that. Like I think of Super Mario RPG, which right. was later. I think that was also ninety six, uh, around or after the N sixty four came out. So it was kind of like the SNES's last hurrah, its last grasp, but impressing people with its graphical capabilities especially since sega was doing like the 32x and the sega cd and then playstation came out in japan in 94 i think so like donkey kong country was kind of nintendo saying hey we're not ready with our 3d game console yet so here's what we can do with the super nintendo and make it look really really good especially on the crt tvs back then and still having like the really tight gameplay and also reviving an ip that hadn't really been seen in a long time i don't know when donkey kong 3 or donkey kong jr were really relevant in the arcades but donkey kong wasn't really around until donkey kong country came out and then it sold super well as a pa- it was i don't know if it was a pack-in but it was definitely when it came out in 94 that was my christmas was that year was super nintendo was super mario world and i don't know if that was the one that came with all stars but i think we decided the super mario world uh separate cartridge and then uh donkey kong country yeah, they did. They did sell a pack-in version of the Super Nintendo at, at some point. But just as far as as what Donkey Kong Country does as a platformer, I mean, obviously Mario is sort of the gold standard, and Mario had been very well iterated on by the time DKC came out. And you had your, you know, you had your Sonics, and you had you had a lot of other franchises trying to do something that was both copying Mario, but also doing something distinct enough that it wasn't just a shitty ripoff, and Nintendo was like, hold my beer. We can do that. <laughs> and, you know, DKC was born here. Because I, I can't think, and listen, I'm probably talking out of pocket, but I can't think of anything that came before it that was really like this as far as platformers Well, go. what do you mean? You know, if we want to dive into some of the mechanics, this is a game, and this is something for Chris to make fun of me for, but, like, there are moments in this game where I had to, like, stop and actually think about how some of these little mechanics work. And once you get it, it's like, oh, cool. Um, and then it's just like getting good and not dying all the fucking time. And thank God for save states and rewinds. I did a lot of rewinding. 
um, after like the first half yeah, of my DKC1 playthrough. I wanted to get through a few levels experiencing the game, but then I was like, all right, I've played this. I just want to, you know, get through. But whereas Mario is very focused on on the power-ups, especially looking at um, Super Mario World, um, and this is very much, you know, based just strictly on uh, enemy mechanics um, and how the enemies change the environment. So its focus is different. And it feels good. I mean, it, it feels great. It still holds up. It, it feels... I was shocked going back to this game how good it felt compared to even some older Mario games that I have a lot of nostalgia for. No, I agree. Um I think that what I appreciate so much about the first game that I think the second one did really double down on successfully. And then the third one kind of, kind of lost its way a little bit with is its atmospheric sense of place and, and storytelling. And, you know, you, you can kind of like roll your eyes and go, Oh, storytelling in Donkey Kong country, but like you get the big beats, right? Like you got to go save your bananas and your Island is being, being slowly consumed into this, like, production of oil and capitalism basically they're like putting factories on this beautiful <laughs> island and drilling it for Fucking oil imperialist kremlings yeah they are i mean and you know a little little heavy-handed with <laughs> the uh, industries post-cold war era symbolism uh definitely definitely felt a bit a bit winky at the ussr but anyway um no, yeah. Winky is the frog. Oh, thank you. Actually, yeah, that's that's right. Not. The- I, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up though, because that's something that I just speed right by in games like this. I don't care what the quote unquote narrative is, and I feel like I'm do I do myself a disservice because, like you said, it's a lot of the subtlety in like level design and how they communicate what what little is happening, but it is happening and it's cool. And I feel like games like this, I always just blow by it. I just, I don't think about it, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's fair. It's really small. Just you get further up the Island and stuff starts getting more industrial and like the water level becomes polluted and poison pond. And it's full of the like spinning metal blades that you see in some of the caves and it kind of leaves it to, you know, your imaginations I'm just imagining like being a kid and like how interested I was in the mystique of like how this whole island worked. Uh, but yeah, I don't know of another game that was able to create that like immersion, honestly, in these like beautiful environments and the ability to compress three dimensional figures into two dimensional sprites and pre-render the backgrounds and stuff like, yeah, Mario world's great. It's really tight. It works well. The levels are beautiful, but like, you know, Donut Hill is not going to like draw you in and make you feel like you're standing on whatever the fuck Donut Hill is in the way that like <laughs> I can hear the snow music in my head. And like, I don't know, I it, it, it sounds cold. It sounds like cold. And the way that they they constructed the blizzard that continues in that first that first level. Yeah, I just know I, I don't know of another game that did what this game did. Nick, who did the soundtrack for Donkey Kong Country? Do you know off, off the cuff? Uh, David Wise is largely responsible for DKC 1 and 2. And then a lot of uh, some of 2 was uh, handled by, I believe, was his, uh, not protege, but uh, the secondary sound designer who was Evelyn like Fisher, I think it was. And she did the entirety of DKC 3. Mm. But then also a fun little thing is that the port of DKC 3 on Game Boy Advance has a different soundtrack done by David Wise again. So it's a little fun fact for you. But yeah, I can't remember her name. It's I think it's Evelyn. Evelyn Fisher, that's right. <gasps> Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
The soundtrack is legendary, unfucking touchable, so evocative. Like Chris said, and it's it's perfect, is what it is. You put on aquatic ambience, and you just you're you're there. You just you, you listen to that for you can put the ten hour version on, and you're just there the entire time, and it's fabulous. <laughs> it's, and I do recommend there's a YouTube channel that found all the original samples that were used for those tracks and reconstructed them so they're lossless versions of it without the super nintendo like limitation on the chip but even just hearing the super nintendo version and the ways that they had to manipulate the way that that uh system processed this the the samples and like the amount of just goddamn oh emotion and just all of the tracks and it's so ambient and percussive and melodic without having like just a nice melody it's just it just happens it's perfect video game music it isn't like good music in any other way like you can't be like this is a traditionally good song you can't show this to someone and be like hey check out this song this is cool this is a cool hot three minute bop you just you listen to it and it loops perfectly it's just the perfect looping music and i think it's just the best video game soundtrack of all time for one and two. I think both of them. I don't know which one's better because it could be they're both better than each other on every given day. <laughs> it's just it's amazing. It's what do you want, right? Because two is more like shareable songs. Like Sticker Brush Symphony is a song, even as it sets environment in a way that like aquatic ambience definitely approaches, but no other track in DKC one you would be like, Yeah, this is like a song. I think like maybe Treetop Town and like the the jazziness of that has a rise and fall. And even the the Jungle Japes theme where it has like the two it has two parts to it. And like you can construct that into a real song, but a lot of the other tracks you're right, it's just very much like here's the here's the chorus and then it just sort of happens over and over. I don't know if you remember this, Nick, but when I stayed over at your at your place in high school, we literally like went to sleep with aquatic ambience on the TV one time. Yeah, that's it's a good way to go to bed. Yeah. You unplug that yellow cord and you got the white and red and you're just good to go. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Is that something you did often just for the music was just like pop something on? Yeah, and- the, the, the pause screen kept the music playing. That's dope. That's super cool. Dude, this reminds me of like putting burn CDs into my PlayStation and trying to figure out how to dim the screen so that when one of my parents walked in, they wouldn't know the TV was on. Mm-hmm. So you'd like you'd you turn the brightness all the way down so it was like a black screen, but it still let off this eerie faint glow. I was just schmucked the whole time. I could have just unplugged one of the damn cables. Yeah. God damn it! Listen, I was a young man. But, I mean, if you do unplug the cable, you do get the uh, just the aux or whatever the oh, input yeah. screen is, the input. depending on if you're doing the old school like uh, in the coax where it's on channel two or whatever, or if you actually had a dedicated input with the. The three, the yellow, white, and red chords. I don't remember anything about that shit. That was like... It sounds like hyperbole, but like, oh, it literally was. Yeah, closer to 25, but still, it's like... Honestly, I don't know... Like, I get people complaining about... So I want to kind of jump into the gameplay, literally jump into it. So there is a lot of kind of uh, Super Nintendo era platformer bullshit that you have to get past and i i can recognize that i can look at that and i can see yeah these levels do kill you pretty relentlessly like the 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 sprites the character sprites on screen take up so much real estate that you cannot see very far ahead of you it's got really good movement speed but the problem with that is you end up running into just bullshit like bees you just have bees Bees! at you (laughs) 
everywhere. Yeah, a lot of bees. Yeah, bees? Lot of bees. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> the fucking between the bees and goddamn shooting myself out of barrels because I am not a patient son of a bitch. <laughs> Ugh! God damn it. Yeah, it doesn't help also playing on Switch and you're if you're doing like a wireless controller and then plus the input lag and like the, the latency on the TV. I had a, a lot of trouble actually with that with uh, DKC3. I think the timing windows on those were particularly unforgiving. Yeah, I had that same experience actually where I was kind of like, man, I'm I'm better at the barrel play, like way better at the barrel play than this. Why am I missing? They didn't move as, as smoothly to my eye either. It, it felt a little a little a little janky like it didn't have the same the same yeah. smoothness yeah i think three also had a lot less barrels so you were you just noticed it a lot more one was very heavily heavy on barrel levels i think each world had like a very bar- barrel heavy level say that 10 times fast boy but two uh, i think kind of kind of lessened that a little bit and then by the time you got to three there was just like a few sections in like maybe the lost world or like just not very many. They they really relied a lot more on single level gimmicks in three. Yes, which is sort of a kind of a natural progression out of two. There there's a couple of things that kind of like run parallel to each other that they iterated on and then like took took further in three. Um, that were sort of you could kind of see the writing on the wall in two, like the the one world gimmicks and like they're in two they they had a hybrid of bonus rooms you had to break into and the actual physical bonus barrels and then in three there there are zero bonus levels that you have to break into they're all in barrels they just completely removed the like destructible walls mechanic from from the game completely uh it's hard to i think uh signpost breakable walls without just devolving into okay you're just gonna be humping walls while holding a barrel as diddy like that's the only way you're finding this naturally on your own so i think that makes a lot of sense and also, I think uh, there was no bonus areas in underwater levels in the first game. They added that in two. I cannot recall one in yeah, the first game. Yeah, I think game. you're right. How would you get into it? Like, there are no throwable barrels in On Guard. They didn't have the A attacks for companions. They didn't have, did they have bonus barrels even at all in the first one? No, they were all rooms. Yeah, so you would have to like unguard your way into one oh, no, if they, they were to have one. They did have some some bonus barrels. I'm wrong. I'm totally wrong. Also, I kind of totally hated the uh almost all of the animal companion bonus like the getting the three uh unguard coins or whatever. I'm glad they did not have those in later games because all of them were bad except for espresso. <laughs> And Winky was okay. I liked yeah, Rambi was a little bit okay. I got eight eight lives in a Winky bonus pretty pretty routinely on this playthrough. Yeah, it was just. I mean, I get it because I've said this before, but the mark of a good platformer is giving you a large variety of things to do and never letting one thing get stagnant. So it's just a way to break things up and also reward good play with more lives. But they got very tiresome, and I started avoiding the actual like little statues or whatever they are the coins dude that's so it's so true what you just said about like the mark of a good platformer is keeping things you know spicy right and that's why so many platformers have failed is because like even looking at something like crash bandicoot which people clamored for these remakes and they wanted a new one and we got a new one which i think the new one is like legitimately good because 
they finally fixed the thing that they couldn't do before where it's like, all right, here's an entire level where you do this one frustrating thing. Have fun fucking dying. And like, this is why I think Mario had the success that it did is because it's, it's not only do you have all these varying powers and stuff, but like depending on which power-ups you get, every run is different, right? We're like playing something like Mega Man. It's like you have to know that level, play it right, or fuck you. Um, so anyway, I, I, it's just I'm getting tangential about that, but like thinking about what makes a good platformer and like a lot of the bad platformers I've played. Shout out Croc. <laughs> that's exactly it. And when a game can can offer you, you know, and that's something that, like you guys said, DKC improved as as they iterated. Certainly, as far as the animals go, you know, earlier I, I was talking about how like what makes these platformers different than what we had gotten to this point is that it was very much like focusing on figuring out the environment and navigating that they did they did they threw in the yoshis you know they wanted to to see how that worked and as a kid i loved the animals when, when we had the rhino the swordfish and the ostrich is that right you got rambo you got on guard you got espresso and you got winky in the first game what, what's the and fourth squawks one? kind of <laughs> winky the frog okay right so you have the rhino the ostrich the frog and the swordfish. And then Squawks is kind of a companion who is more use, used in the second game and then even more so in the third one where you have two different varieties of them. As a kid, that was the coolest thing. Where'd this rhino come from? And you're like busting down walls with him and stuff. And you bust him out of the, the fucking box. Right. Not cool now. That was one thing I was like, yeah, we, we could do without this. <laughs> like, I like it because it's Donkey Kong's version of power-ups. Like... You are saying earlier that Mario World is a good example of Mario's power-ups. I think that's probably the worst example of Mario's power-ups. There's only three. Is there two? There's the Fire Flower and the Cape, and that's it. Mario Mario 3 has, like, Frog Suit and, like, Tanuki Suit and, like, Hammer Bros Suit and Kuribo Suit. Like, 3 is the one that you should be talking about. I was just thinking Super Nintendo. Yeah, that's fair. But the Cape is just OP, and you don't really want anything else. So I think that's kind of a tough... Sure. That's a tough example. Mario World is like a really good launch game. <laughs> we all know that Mario 3 is the GOAT. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Nick's thinking. Nick's thinking. I have more nostalgia for World. That's, a, that's all it of is. Course. I, I can't. Of I can't fairly compare the two. Sure. I, too, have more nostalgia for World. It's flaws. Not that there are many. It's a fucking wonderful game. But the flaws become more apparent, you know, the more I go back to it. I gotta say, again, as an aside, you ruined the soundtrack for me, Nick, for Super Mario World, because I was talking about what a wonderful soundtrack you had, and you're like, it's the same song the entire you game. You did that to me. You did that to me. I was like, I love the Mario World soundtrack, and then you said like some YouTuber was like complaining about the soundtrack being the same song No every gaslighting. Time. Like, oh, you did shit, it to it me. Is. You ruined my life. I would no, never do such a thing to you. you did it to me. Chris, it was me. It was him. He's <laughs> gaslighting me. But I still love the uh, the bonus worlds music, and I love the uh, the woods music that's only used in the the uh, what? You, oh, fuck the Forest of Illusion. I just love that. It's so good. But yeah, everything else is just the. It's just all. It's all that. It's slowed down in the <laughs> castle. It's like kind of creepy in the. In it's the literally this. House. It's literally the same thing. <sighs> it's unfortunate. Anyway, enough about those other freaking games. You're right. It is. The animals are Donkey Kong's version of power-ups. It's just a, a variety for the traversal. It's just a way to change things up and like 
Rambi always having a uh, a hitbox in front of him. Same with Unguard and being able to move around in water better. Like they they take away your mobility to give you it back and then make it feel good with like water levels. That's just the way water levels are, and they become much more you know actually palatable because they have amazing music. But beyond that, they're just pretty bog standard water levels. You can hold up to swim up faster. You can hold down to sink faster. Fucking whatever. The water levels were not <laughs> frustrating for me in this game. Yeah, they weren't. They're not too bad. They're not too hard. I think Poison Pond might be the hardest one. Yeah, definitely. It's because of those goddamn spike tires or whatever they are. Yup. <laughs> it was the ice levels that just really got me riled up. And I think I I texted the group chat about this, and I think Chris, as usual, was giving me shit for it. I don't know. Am, am I being hyperbolic and saying that those are fucking stupid? Frustrating levels, and I wish they didn't exist. I mean, which ones did you get through? Like, did you just get through? There's only three ice levels in Gorilla Glacier. Frustrating. Yeah. And one of them was just a barrel level. Yes. And I love slip slide. I love slip slide ride. I love. Oh, that's They have just is. one level that has ropes that go up and down. And it's just they make a whole level out of it and say, okay, that's it. You don't see that again. <laughs> You're not going to be tested on that. That was the test. <laughs> It's kind of a little preview, a little preview of what we were talking about earlier in number two and number three, where they were like, hey, it was kind of neat that we had this one mechanic on this one level. Like, what if we had more unique level mechanics for different things instead of just kind of using the same basic concepts, which was like ropes, barrels, different kinds of enemies you can't, bees. can't jump off of. <laughs> Not the bees. Yeah, you, got, you got some like thematic elements that were kind of toyed around with in two, like having a whole level where you're playing as uh, Rattly. Is that Rattly? The snake? And then they have one of each in three, where you're just like, this is the level where you're squawks. Or, you know. So I, I like I like those levels, because that's like just a whole whole level based on a theme is always really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, three had a whole bunch of levels where they just have one mechanic, unique mechanic to the entire level, and then they just never touch it ever again. Mm-hmm. I think two is really good about that too, but maybe not as good as three about it, but Maybe to its benefit, because I think 2 is a safer game, both in its level design and also its enemy design. I think 3 had some really strange, unique enemies that I don't know necessarily if they were like a good idea, but they were definitely interesting. So it's kind of tough to talk about without just like diving into a comparing this to that kind of thing but that's basically what we're doing anyway so i don't know what the best method to do that is i want to get into what some of our favorite mechanics were from the first game and what some of our least favorite mechanics were and then kind of look at how those were iterated on um or which ones were dropped in subsequent games but what, what were some of your favorite mechanics the way that movement through the world is varied through the use of either barrel design or the way that the two Kongs move differently or the way that the animals change the architecture of the level for you. Um, Just the way that you interact with the world can be so different every single time you play the level based on which Kong you're using. If you got barrels, if you hit sequences correctly or incorrectly, I love that. Uh, I thought, I think all of the bonus rooms in number one are totally uninteresting um, doing those felt like a chore a lot of the time of, oh, let me get the fucking flashing tokens in the correct order for the 18th time. Oh, let me bounce <laughs> on this little uh, clap trap that I can't kill until he spits out 
like vomits a certain number of bananas. Oh, let me guess which barrel the thing is in, which is super easy because it flashes at the last second before it goes away. Like they just did not thrill me at all. And so I, even on this replay was like, I have no interest in looking up the ones that I missed. I am done now. And I was okay with that. And the only reward is lives. Right. Exactly. Which if you're playing in basically one continuous play session by using a, a suspend game, a suspend state, then you'll get to the end of the game with like 80 lives. Like death has absolutely no meaning in these games when you're not saving and restarting from three or five lives or whatever it is. Yeah, it's hard to justify that tension when you're just being punished by spending more time. I would actually uh, disagree with your point about, uh, in the first game in particular, about the interest being between which Kong to use because 99% of the time you just want to be using Diddy. Like he's faster, he's got better mobility, he feels better to play. And... I can't think of a reason why you would want to hold the barrel above your head. Like you're, like I said, you're going to be humping those walls trying to find those breakable exits because you're trying to get that 101%. Not because you need more lives, but you just want to get that, that nice title screen. <laughs> That's all. And they didn't really have any enemy combat that it mattered where the barrel was being held. And they did in the second and third game. Like there are specific fights in those games that it matters if you have one of the specific Kongs alive, because you're either going to want to have it vertical or horizontal. Yeah. And it's just a much more interesting dichotomy between choosing to play as Dixie or Diddy in the second one. But yeah, the first one is not nearly as interesting in that regard. And then, yeah, there's one enemy that you can't kill as Diddy. No, there's two, there's one you can't kill and there's one that you can't, uh, uh, you can roll into to take out the, the big tubbo. And then the the big buff man, you can't kill at all. It's Diddy. Or is that only in two? I can't remember, actually. I think he might just be in two. No, he is in the first one. He's got the Mohawk. Yeah, no, you're you right. You do the infinite life thing in uh, Millstone Mayhem. Yep. I think it's Millstone Mayhem. The first. Also, talking about uh, level themes, what's up with there just being Aztec ruins? Yeah, not, <laughs> yeah. not even remotely in the world at all. And not even remotely. Uh, the enemies aren't even remotely Aztec. Like the snakes, maybe? But it's just a bunch of lizards. Isn't that the one and with the gophers or something? Gophers, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, it makes no sense. Makes I mean, no I guess sense. it's a, like if it's like a, it's kind of like a hamster, so like the wheel makes a little bit of sense that it's chasing you down. But beyond that, I don't know, man. That's so great. I'm so glad you brought That's that up. That's a bit of a stretch, rare. Okay. <laughs> what, uh, Nick, what were some of your favorite slash least favorite mechanics? If we're talking, I know, Chris, you went kind of broad. Was there anything specific that you're like, this was awesome or, or fuck this. I never want to play it again. I love tanked up trouble in the chimp caverns. I love the tension that it has where you're riding on a platform that can run out of gas and you have to get gas cans for it. And the music somehow they matched up the, the level to, they don't actually match up the level to the music, but the level music has so much tension that seems to match and it makes you feel like it's matched up. And I just love it. And I just love the, the, the sound effects, the sound design of the the platform filling up and it has a very, very clear display of how much gas is in the tank. And it's just such a cool... I love Trick Track Trek, and it's basically Trick Track Trek, but you have to keep refilling your platform. Right. I just, I just love that level. I, th- I thought that has... I love tension in levels. I don't like being punished with immediate fail states, but that has that looming over your head the entire time. And it's just a really cool level. Well, there's something rewarding about, like... Like you said, visually, it's very clear what you have to do and, you know, how much time you have, essentially, before the game tells you to fuck off. 
so that's you know that's really great design and like you said the tension that that builds is like you know, that's what you want in a level dude there's nothing more stressful than like you get to the end of one track and like your uh your platform has like one or two red dots left and you're waiting for the animation to drop you and you see it's like the shaking fuel. yeah you're like come on get me there <laughs> also i don't know if it's an unpopular opinion but i like the two minecart levels very unpopular Fuck the They're very good levels. use of the auto scroll. It's the only auto scroll in the entire game, and it's well besides the track levels. But I like those two because they're more pure platforming. But these are they constrain you in different ways. I like how one of them you jump with the cart, and the other one you jump out of the cart. Um, it's a little bit. I don't remember if it's in one or two, but they take away your momentum. And the one that you jump out of the cart, so you actually have to hold right between carts. I can't remember which one that is, but that was a little bit annoying to get used to. But once you got it down, then it was not a big big deal um i don't know i just like the design of them i think people talk about minecart levels like it's a bad thing but there's two levels in the entire game this game yeah. has how many fucking levels <laughs> like at least 30 levels it's for me you... it was just frustrating like again one of those things where you had to mega man the level like I mean, maybe it's just because i'm bad at the game which is super plausible i love the reaction element to it i never remember the levels but like i just love you're just you're just you're you're scoped out on the right side of the level. You're at a fixed pace. You always they designed it around the pace that you're at, and you're just whether it's the roller coaster, the ups and downs. You have to make these little gaps, or you're trying to jump on the right enemy, or you're trying to get on the lower track because you know that's the harder jump. So there's going to be something good on that track. I just I just like that kind of design where it's very reaction based, sure. as opposed to just throwing a bee in your face because you jump too quickly. <laughs> Also, I would take a minecart level over any water level. Like the water levels in this game are fine, but like I would take a minecart over any of the water levels. Sure, I can see that. Except for Cracktopus Chase, that was actually a good water level. I like the 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 tension again of being chased by something. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, for me it was like always mistiming my jumps. I just I just suck at it. So I just made me so mad how often I died in that level. And it's hard, you know. Obviously, it's hard for me because I grew up playing these games, and they were among my first video games that I ever played. So. I don't know how much of it is just muscle memory and how much of it is just I know how the game works. But to me, it just feels so mechanically perfect. And I think the job, the game does such a great job of telling you like where platforms end, like where you can jump and being forgiving with that, like being able to roll off edges and jump midair is so satisfying. I wish more games did that. And just how responsive it is to doing a short jump like pressing the button for a short amount of time and getting that much air and holding it for longer and getting your full hop like obviously mario does that but i think donkey kong country does a really good job of doing that too and i never or i very rarely at least feel like uh a death of mine is because i did something wrong mechanically and i think that's the biggest sin you can commit in a game is letting the player feel like they're not in actual control of the character they're they're moving around especially in a platformer where there's it's literally two buttons of the D-pad that you're actually doing things with. Dang, dude. That's a nice take. That was well well put, my friend. Nailed it. They just did such a good job in Donkey Kong Country, and they only made it better in DKC2 because you had better characters to play as because you're not playing as fucking Donkey. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my great. God. That's like the biggest <laughs> That's the biggest change, right? Is Also, Rattly being better than, than Winky because Winky is the worst animal companion to control. Because his, his his moving animation is a jumping into the air. So like you don't know when you can jump. And I feel like sometimes it feels like you're not in control of the character, especially when the jump. It's very slidey. It's it, it just yeah. feels floaty and slidey and in, in, like you said, imprecise. But Radley, you can do walk off jumps. He has that. He keeps that jump. 
Radley's just amazing. like when you're as a Kong. What was the level uh, in DKC one where you're turning the enemies on and off? Oh, oh, stop and go station. I forgot. That's a big hate. Oh, I hate that. Really? I really I like that mechanic a lot. When I was a it's really kid, cool. It's scary as hell. They none move of us, so fast. None of us could beat that, but my my mom knew that you could just go in the entrance to stop and go station and it will drop you at the end of the level. So when I was a kid, I never beat this level as a kid. So it was like a replay in college like seven years ago. No, oh God, nine years ago? Nine years ago um, that I actually played and beat it. And I just, yeah, it's it's... Maybe the fact that I don't like it means that it's a testament to its, I don't know, efficacy and making me uncomfortable um, because that's a very stress inducing level because you don't get time to plan what you're doing. Um, You just have to go. And it's foggy and they move too fast and they're very creepy and unsettling looking. Yeah. And that's like literally the, the, not just the regular cave music, but like the mines music is not even music. It's just sounds that are happening with reverb. That's all it is. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Sabi go station. I love the, the, the shortcut and that the shortcuts are really good. They're really cool. They're too hard to find. I think a lot of the bonus areas in DKC one or two are defined. It really makes you have to look at a guide to like, fully complete the game i don't know how doable it is to fully complete the game without a guide especially in a level like orangutan gang where there's like six bonus areas it's absurd there's so many in that level and there's like one where you have to get you have to get espresso and then like jump backwards through the stage and like hover below the platforms for like way too long and there's just an area down there and you never knew it (laughs) like if they showed it to you and be like hey maybe you can get to this somehow but they never do that you just have to blindly jump and like maybe find something. I gave up when it came to uh, 100% in this game. I, I couldn't be bothered to get into a guide and like really try to get after it. And like, I I both love and hate platformers or you know similar like collectathons, right? Where like they want you to collect the things, right? But like you said, they make some of the whether it's some of the hidden areas or some of the you know whatever like super arcane, and you're just like. Like I said, I gave up very quick. I was like, this is... Yeah, and Chris and I touched on that earlier when we were talking about how the rewards weren't gratifying enough in DKC1 where it's just lives, whereas in DKC2 and 3, your bonus areas gave you coins that unlocked more levels in the Lost World. And that was like a really cool way to to sort of gate progress and like to have bonus unlocks. Right. Rewarding the player with more game to play is a, is a good way to reward the player. Everything is DLC or... Pre-order bonus. Not to mention games are just too big. Like these games, I think each one took maybe about three hours to, to complete 100%. Sure. But I, I miss when games did that, when they offered something really awesome as the reward and it incentivized you to really, whether it was replaying something, like I look at like Smash Bros. Melee and you had all these different uh, requirements to unlock other characters. And it's like, all right, I'm, I'm replaying the same thing over and over, but like I have like a really, really awesome reward at the end of that you know, tunnel. But then you have it get done wrong in Smash Ultimate where you just have eight characters to start with. And you just have to keep playing the game to randomly fight characters. Right. Not nearly as, as rewarding. So that's cool how they, they iterated on that. Yeah, as far as... I'm assuming that both of you... I know, Nick, you said you can't really pick which one you like better. Chris, is there one of the... I'm assuming it's between the first two. 
Um, is there one that you prefer? Yeah, I mean, two is a perfect game. I I don't know that I, I don't know that there's like a single thing that I could think of to do to that game that would make it a better game. Um, and I really thought I was gonna come away feeling better about one because it's so much more ambient. Um, which I really go for. Like it's 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 more spare and and lonely and kind of haunting. But two is just the complete package in so 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 many ways. I think the biggest thing for me about two is uh, with the addition of of Dixie. You're like you now have like two good options. Like you guys talked about earlier. It's not like I'm stuck choosing between like the good one and the bad one. Right. It, it, you don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to be DK. And they're both you know, different in their mechanics. So you always feel like regardless of which one you're playing as, you're kind of excited, you know? It's like, oh, I can do something a little different here. And that's cool. That's a good feeling. Do you guys have a favorite level before we move on from the first game? Like, what, what's what's the standout level for you? It's a hard question. <laughs> I really like Treetop Town. I think that's probably some of the most like fast-paced barrel play in the entire game. If it's not the, the music most, is so good. Oh yeah, just this too. this swing like up-tempo swing tune that's just like you know you want to go faster. You know you want to go faster. You know you want to go faster. Just like daring you to try to finish it. The more xylophone quickly. going batshit insane. <laughs> yep, that's the level. That I I wrote in my notes here. I have soundtrack is S tier. <laughs> that was the level I was playing when I like stopped it. <laughs> that is a cool level. What was okay? So I love Treetop Town as well. I feel like what's the difference between that and the the version that they have later? Is that Torchlight Trouble? No, Rookbridge Rumble. I think in a it's just the purple version of it. Is there a much? There's less barrels. There's more like moving platforms with. With the uh, tires, is that like the main difference? Yep, hundred percent. It's it's a jumping a jumping puzzle instead of a barrel puzzle. There's just a lot of there's a lot of barrel levels in DKC one. I feel like each world almost has like a very heavily barrel based level. Whether it's you know obviously like Barrel Canyon Canyon in the first world, or like you said Treetop Town, or I think uh, Snow Barrel Blast. Like there's just a lot of barrel levels where it's like. I don't know how if that's a, a good enough mechanic to really hammer home three times in a game, but I think we've already discussed that that's the main problem the first game had was just not a large swath of variety. Like I don't think really any of the water levels are very much different except for Croctopus Chase being a having a constant threat behind you kind of level. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Poison Pond had more put more stuff in your way, but I don't know that it was fundamentally different than aquatic ambience and what it was trying to do. It just had different things in between you and the goal. Yeah. And then like something like clam city is almost like a uh, bullet hell where you just have a lot of projectiles coming at you and you're just finding the timing to weave between them. But yeah, like I already talked about as far as favorite level, I love the the track levels like trick track track and uh, tanked up trouble. But like you said, treetop town, especially being the first uh, level with that, that theme and just, the music is so tied to my enjoyment of this game that it's just it's just a good time. It's just a good time. What is the biggest improvement between DKC one and two? Dixie and Krem coins. Just more collectibles. Who knew that Rare should add more collectibles to a game and make it better? <laughs> right. <laughs> they they kind of kept that momentum going a little too far. Yeah, especially in the 3D era. Right. 
are there any specific world mechanics or enemy mechanics that they iterated on or that they should have gotten rid of as it, as it went on? I love it, but I could see the pro I could see there being a problem or people having a problem with how piratey all the freaking enemies are. Like, obviously it's like DKC two is Donkey Kong, but with pirate enemies, but it's a bit absurd. <laughs> it's a bit much. Yeah. The little, cutlass the cutlass swinging guy that he sees you and just goes everybody's no every single enemy except for bees are pirate themed like all the kremlings are pirate themed the the basic ass kremlings have a have a, a peg leg there's the guy with like the bandana on his head the big buff dude there's cannon with the pirate hat and the cannon like literally everything's a pirate except for the like i guess the endemic life the the mammals aren't and like the insects <laughs> i just hadn't thought about that but i don't know it's not it's not even like a downside it's just that it's more focused on a theme but there's enough world variety that i don't know if that's a problem like just the levels based around those enemies are they're not like held back by it in any way yeah i guess i hmm. I, I guess i don't know how specific i can make it without I think that the biggest improvement is the way that they doubled down on all of the mechanics that they introduced in the first game. Like they took the concept of the barrel that you either had one that moved or one that just shot you in a direction. And they're like, what if they were on timers? What if you could steer them? Uh, What if they could go, uh, you could rotate them different directions manually. What if they, um, no, they didn't do the appearing and disappearing ones is in, is in number three. Um, yep. the ghost barrels, but uh, yeah, and, and ropes. Which I think is in one level, <laughs> a lost world level. I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Same with the ghost ropes. Yeah, no, two. I think with the the enemy design, I think they um they made the, the enemies that have projectiles more interesting. Like I don't really like the neckies shooting shooting nuts at you in the first one, and I especially didn't like the vulture ones that had them bouncing down the the platforms. That was always kind of annoying. But in three, I liked the, or in two, I liked the the crook with the boomerang shooting out and coming back in. Those are always like pretty good timing based uh, challenges. And then I liked the cannons where it either shot barrels that you could jump on and do like, or even like doubling back and like trying to guide a barrel to a hidden entrance to a, a bonus area. That was always really interesting. <sighs> Honestly, the one that jumps out um would probably be cleaver i really like cleaver's kiln and that boss fight against just this fucking sick ass sword that's spinning around and it's just it's it's bog standard it's super easy but it's just got such a cool vibe to it i think actually three had really interesting and unique huge bosses but because i don't have as much like background with that game it's hard for me to be like yeah it's a favorite just looking at the the three bosses yeah i'm just not as into them um chaos was kind of interesting the final boss fights are never my favorite um i really like actually i like i can k rule i think he's a really good boss and especially the first time playing that when you're a little kid and you get the the mid-credit roll like fake out and it's like all these like stupid puns that you don't understand because you're three years old and you can't even really read but then him getting back up and doing those those tiny hops and just chucking that goddamn crown at you. I think that's a really satisfying final boss fight, actually. Were there any boss fights, Chris, that you 
struggle with, or were they all a cinch? They were all bald eagles, um, all of them. <laughs> um, um, you know, I he was a vulture, not a bald eagle. What? What? I'm an idiot. I... That's my fault. I've poisoned your mind. <laughs> you have in so many ways. Um, <laughs> you know, having just replayed three, like literally finished it like a day and a half ago. The bosses are so, so, so stinking easy. Like, absolutely, like brain meltingly easy to to beat. Um, like I remember, I I beat the snail and was sort of like, oh my god, was that it? Like, seriously, he has no changes in any of his patterns. He just sprays more water at you, and then it's over. Um, but in terms of struggle in the second game i did find myself having to make um a whole bunch of runs at the uh the ghost bird when the pirate bird you have to fight the ghost of the the first boss in the game when you get um further further into the game and then yeah, the ghost crow game. or whatever his name is i can't yeah, creepy crow creepy crow yeah <laughs> that one the K, was, of course that one was genuinely difficult yeah it's got a good like three stage sort of progression to it yeah and you have to you have to do like a rope section dodging eggs to get to the different stages and honestly that might be one of the worst uh mechanics in dkc2 is how difficult it is to navigate going up ropes that are parallel to each other because you have to like hold left while you're on the left side to be able to jump off of them because it won't let you jump while you're on them it's it's kind of frustrating to me personally yeah no i agree um but that one took me a bunch of tries and top number one it's it's king k rule it's always king k rule i mean that theme the fake out in the middle like you said like um dodging those cannonballs like i remember being a, a, a being a kid and just going oh my god he's gonna blow up his own ship like he's so <laughs> consumed with the need to the need to to kill these kongs that he it doesn't even matter like he's gonna he's gonna sink his own his own uh his own flagship of his fleet he's just gonna take it down just to take them down well i want to get some more of chris's thoughts on dkc3 i think it's the one that we've touched on the least and I mean, we've barely even talked about DKC2 as far as like the actual levels and like the standouts in that regard, but obviously it's tough because there's just so much content in these three games. I think each one, there's at least six levels in each world and there's about eight worlds. So we're talking like 48 levels in each one. We could do sort of some some quick hits on two. Yeah, I think two's got a lot of standouts. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, every track in the entire soundtrack is in fucking credible. Every single one yes. of them is incredible. Um, everybody points to like Sticker Brush Symphony, but I always think of the the carnival, the mine, the minecart iteration where you're racing this like twisted carnival ride. Oh, the spooky one, yeah. Speaking of one-offs, um, but the, yeah, for the, real. the carnival theme with the people like screaming in the background and the sounds yeah, yeah, of different yeah. games and tracks, like they. <laughs> the way that Joey put it is David Wise didn't have to go this hard on the soundtrack, but he did that for us. He did that yeah. for us. He did that for you and me. <laughs> Specifically. He knew that this would happen. Yes. Um, Specifically. The team jumping was revelatory. Uh, hanging from things like uh, uh, hooks was revelatory. They just gave you the, the honey on the side of the walls, uh, the water that would get hot. So you could only stay in it for a certain amount of time. They made it so much more interesting and so much more difficult to get from point A to point B in ways that 
you had to think about your next move. You had to be uh, deliberate with it um, because of how vertical so many of the levels were, especially that in DKC1, they were all horizontal. There was like almost no vertical exploration whatsoever. And then you get to uh, Cannon's Claim in the uh, in the second world. And suddenly, God, that music too. It's so percussive. Just the sounds, just that. It's so good. I, I don't want to imitate it because it's stupid too, but it's just so good. I'm just hearing it in my head right now. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it's like, oh, if I miss this jump, maybe I'll land at the beginning of the level. Maybe I'll hit some of those bees that I passed on the way up. And, <laughs> Goddamn uh, bees! I might hit a bee barrel and just go to a bonus area where there's Dixie barrels and Diddy barrels. Yeah, what else? What other what what other big improvement improvements from from one to two would you note? Um, I think visually it's a much better looking game. Uh, something that just blows my mind every time I play DKC two, which they didn't keep in three for some reason. But the parallax on water, when you're actually going down into a water area, you can actually see it. The perspective changing as you are approaching the water and getting into it. It's just astounding how good the water looks in that game. It's not fair, honestly. Um, other things they added was the uh, animal transformation barrel. So there are levels where you play as an animal uh, for the entirety of it. Like I think of the uh, in the the swamp, you play as Rattly for an entire level on the the it has the Gangplank Galleon remix going on in the background. Um, it's just yeah, the one offs. Some of them, I don't like the the minecart levels as much in DKC2 as I do in 1. Uh, I like the race one the most. Uh, not the one where you're, you're fleeing from the weird creepy skeleton boy, but the one where you're actually trying to beat the other uh, crumblings that are uh, on their carts. It's fucking Mario Kart, but in a Donkey Kong game. Bee levels are cool. <laughs> like you said, sticking to the honey. Well, you get to kill the bees. A lot of times you get to you get to be either squawks or you get to be squitter. I think it's the spider. It's kind of gross. I love I love that he has two different shots though. I love that. I think he's OP, but one of the coolest uh, animals to control. Adding the charge moves for all the animals too is really nice. Like for Rambi and Ungard, especially having just the being able to blast through a bunch of enemies is just really fun. Dude, shout out. To these devs, sequels so often can just be half-baked. It's one-year turnaround also with a team of like maybe 30 people. That's insane. And it's not even the only game they're working on at a given time either. Like you're thinking about how DKC3 came out in 96. When did Killer Instinct come out? Or Killer Instinct Gold for the, the N64 port? Banjo-Kazooie two years later. It's just insane that they're putting out these games at such an insane pace. And, and of such consistent quality. Consistently exceptional quality. These motherfuckers. Cyberpunk's been in development for 10 years. And it was a fucking disaster on lunch. And it's like, I know it's a different era for games, but you also have to consider back then, like, it was a fucking wasteland, dude. It was like the wild, wild west. No one knew what the hell they were doing. Like, when they made DKC1 especially, they're like, well, we can't make the game look how we want want it to look, so let's try this thing and see if, you know, they fucking made it work. Like, that's so crazy to think about. And obviously, listen, I'm not pining for the days of old here. Like, video games are amazing now, and we've kind of figured it out, right? There's a recipe to these sort of things. But it's interesting to see how these kind of games came to be and how they were shaped when no one knew what the hell was happening. 
Hashtag blessed. That was the quietest sneeze I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, Lord, he's still going. I covered he's dabbing three. on the haters over there. Yeah. <laughs> EJ specifically. Oh, wow. He is the hater to be dabbed on. You for fucking sure. donkey. <laughs> That's great, dude. Oh, darling. Just be oh, great. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I, dude, I literally like laughed out loud when I read that and thought to myself, like, Dude, this is so Chris and I. Like, it, yeah, it's it's uncanny. As soon as we're like in front of people, we have to denigrate each other. But then when the doors are closed, it's like, oh no, 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 no. You 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 keep keep doing what you're doing. It's you're brilliant. You're brilliant. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, any other any other notes? I'm out of my fucking. I'm out of my uh, you know wheelhouse here. Um, well, you still sneezing? <sighs> it's just man. It's the Alamo, man. I'm in the bog. I want to I talk a little bit about three and what I like about it. And I don't really understand what it is about three that just doesn't hit the same as one besides the soundtrack. I mean, I think Evelyn did a really great job. There are some really cool songs on it, but it just doesn't have the same sort of depth as the David Wise soundtracks do. But beyond that, I think that a lot of the design as far as mechanics and the enemies and I think it's the most unique looking Donkey Kong Country game. I think a lot of one and two is very samey. And then in three, you get the change up where the bees are suddenly saw blade bees and the Kremlings are all like brand new looking. Everything has changed. There's nothing reused from two to three. And the overworld is more interesting to, to navigate. You can do things in different orders. Like there's just so much more to unlock and to discover. And I just don't know why it doesn't hit the same as two did. I think that two had a a tonal consistency and also had a consistency of the way that all of the different areas felt like they were of a piece. And I would believe, you know, of course, using great imagination, like this is what the Kremlings Island would look like, that it would have all these places and the way that they show you, just like in the first game, here's where all this stuff fits into this island. That made sense to me. Three doesn't make a goddamn lick of sense. Like not only in terms of, okay, here's a mountain peak thrown up here because we need some ice levels. And right over there is this sort of little cove ridge thing with waterfalls. And over there is woods. And I don't even know what to call the first world other than like summer camp from hell, I guess. It just, (laughs) none of it goes together. I'm glad you mentioned the Kremlings too. They just look like fucking like bad, like Nickelodeon cartoon lizards. Like they don't look like Kremlings anymore. They just look like bad. They do lack a certain menace to them. Yeah. Like the basic one is just like, like trekking around with his overbite. And yeah, it's just, it does make sense. And this is a game that has some like big critter bosses, like, a snail behind a waterfall, which is kind of cool. And like a big version of the little anemone or, or whatever that's in the reef, which is cool, but also has a sentient barrel that you beat by making it eat a bunch of barrels and burp and slide backwards into a hole. At which point it doesn't even like blow up or anything. It's just stuck. I realized that after this playthrough, it just gets stuck. Yeah. He just, <laughs> it's he, just in purgatory. <laughs> his is not a quick death. Belcher gets to suffer. He's just going to like live down there until like, I don't know the wood on his outer casing rots and the metal circles fall down and he go he dies. Uh, a giant spider that you just beat the, the bandage off him. So you can use that to patch a boat. <laughs> right. And a snowman. It's kind of a fever dream of a game, honestly. 
It is. And then, oh, by the way, there's this bird shaped like a giant banana that has all these children that look just like it. And it's sealed in the sky by K. Rule's magic. I was like, okay. Dude, the writing in this game is so stupid. They should have never had writing to begin with. Oh, yeah. And they talk to each other like it's hilarious. Frank and Rule. Yeah. Oh, it's it's so it's so bad. So it it's just wildly, wildly inconsistent. Um, from level to level, as neat as the overworld was, and I love the overworld, that it really rewards you for exploring it and fleshing out little nooks and crannies. And even if the fucking repeat after me mini game gets so old by like the seventh or eighth banana bird, um, it just has no consistency. And that's what makes two so excellent is that every single thing feels like it's 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 a part of the same game. Yeah, that's like a, a really difficult sort of line to tread because you want to have uniqueness in what you're doing, but you want to have consistency in what you're seeing, I guess. Maybe that's like the 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 connective tissue just isn't really there in three. But I just love how just different a lot of these levels are, especially in the Lost World where you're getting lo- like the level where you're just in a rocket ship and then you go to the bottom and then you go back to the top. Like that's they didn't have to do that. Or the boss fights, I think, are wildly unique and very interesting where there's only two boss fights that you're doing that you're actually just plain old uh, Dixie and Kitty. I mean, except for like the final boss fight, but just like the, the other bosses, like you have the boss fight against Bleak where you're just doing the 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 target practice mini game, but against a creepy fucking snowman who is very terrifying. And then, like you said, the the snail boss, which actually I had a little bit of trouble with because I didn't know the timing about like doing the the bullet hell kind of thing. And I'll just get not, you get knocked off so easily, especially when you're controlling that stupid elephant. But then, yeah, it's just, there's a lot of really cool kind of, uh, variety in like what you're doing as far as the bosses are concerned. And they're so big, which is just very visually impressive. I, I liked some of the iterations that they did. Um, namely they managed to get like minecart levels basically, but it's a, you know, up in the ice world, it's a toboggan level. So instead yeah. of being yeah, minecart level, you're in a toboggan and then you're doing like, I don't know, death luge going through the pipe um, <laughs> that you can like hook to the little railing and then drop down from um, depending on what level it's at. Yeah, I, I like the two the tube levels. I think those are really unique and interesting, like the low gravity one or the one with the reverse controls. <sighs> like I didn't think those really overstayed their welcome. No, they were great. Or that, the level with the, the rats and the wheels where you had to kill the rats to open up doors and stuff. I mean, there's just a lot of really interesting like mechanical ideas that maybe just were a little bit half-baked and just didn't have enough connective tissue. And then that mixed with the the completely brand new design for the enemies and then the, the, the soundtrack that is similar but markedly different. Oh, it's so bad. It cannot decide what it wants to be. Um, there are some levels where the sound is so spare it feels like maybe they're trying to emulate dkc1 but others like the very first world you come into has this jaunty like again like summer camp adventure sound to it where you're like tooling around the lake and bouncing off the water and stuff uh and yeah i just i don't know that i really remember any of the music from this or that i would want to the forest theme is pretty tight. I like the mill level uh, music as well. Oh, it's got that kind of like bongo drum thing going on. It's got like a kind of a jazzy vibe to it, which I mean, obviously Donkey Kong, all of the music is kind of got some jazz to it. But I think that that's like one of the standout tracks for me, at least. 
Also, the canon, the 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 canyon uh, levels have really good music too. Yep, that's true. But they're like you know like pretty good. Like I wouldn't Google DKC three soundtrack if I needed to like. It's study. so hard when you have when you have DKC one and two to compete with though. It's kind of like it's the third best amongst the <laughs> two of the best soundtracks. You know. So I don't know. I can't. It's hard to say it's bad when it's just not as good as the best. Was there a did they have a change in like creative direction from two to three? Because it it, so much of it is so different. I feel like they'd somebody else go. Okay, so I'm not sure I could see them putting a B team on this one, especially since it came out after the N64. Uh, I'm not I don't have the uh, the development team like in front of me i can probably i can probably pull that up on a, i'm on a wiki right now so like i just know that they uh went from different composers and then i don't know if david wise was still even with rare after uh, dkc2 anyway because i think he was just sort of doing um like contract work because that's like when uh grant kirkhope started taking over as far as being like lead for composing especially in the n64 era and doing golden nine perfect dark and banjo kazooie and conquer and all those dk64 he has a credit as having done some sound in the end credits of three, but I don't really know. Kirk, Kirk the, Hope does? Uh, David Wise. David Wise. Well, yeah, he did like uh, the original themes, which then Evelyn Fisher was doing like variations of, which is why you still see like uh, goddamn Mario guy. They did all the Mario themes for forever, but doesn't do them anymore. Koji Kondo. Yeah, Koji Kondo. Like he still does a few, a few of them, but he's not like on. He's not on call at Nintendo. You know, like he came back and did some themes for Mario Maker. He did like the snow theme and the, the NES Mario style and stuff like that. But he still gets credit because he wrote the fucking theme, right? So it's the same with the the DK the DKC intro, which had like a cool. I like the the intro to three, with like I think that's like kind of an underrated part of these games is like the way it boots up. Like you put that cartridge in, you turn it on, and then you see the 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 credit for who made the game you get that rare jingle you get the capcom jingle like i think that's such a like interesting part of old game design that you don't really think about these days because it's sometimes you get the late title card or something like that but i like the title screen in three a lot actually mm-hmm. they come bouncing in on the rare logo and then that really slappy like driving beat comes in and you're like oh man we're gonna go on an adventure and then just a big barrel like barrel drums thumping and like monkey sounds and that's just like the intro and then music happens later I think that's pretty cool. It took me until a number of days into my playthrough to realize that they were drumming the Jungle Japes beat because I'm always listening to the the, the monkeys having their own, the monkey sounds having their own rhythm. Um, God, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that, that. It's a very strong motif. Yeah, it's such a legendary intro screen too with like Cranky Kong coming out with the Victrola and Donkey dropping in and just going, fuck that. This is my generation now. We're about to fuck this formula up. You don't know what you're in for. Yep. Dancing. <laughs> yeah, and then number two, of course, you know that. Uh, Depending on if you beat it with Diddy or Dixie, you get Diddy doing his cool little hip hop dance thing and then Dixie wailing on a guitar. Like, I love that stuff too. It's just such little details that make everything more interesting and more satisfying to play. It's just like, I loved when you failed a a challenge room and DKC one having like, did he throw his hat on the ground and jumping on it, you know, or just DK face palming and shaking his head, you know, he's not mad. He's just disappointed. He's just disappointed. That was a lot about a game. I have not played. 
I think you should play it. You guys painted a horrifying picture for me. I'm kind of excited to play it now, having the only context being like a faint memory of playing the the new Kong and then everything you guys just said. It's going to be a very interesting experience. It's still better than 99% of Super Nintendo games. I was going to say, it's still like at least an 8.5 for me, which is pretty high. Like DKC2 is is a solid 10. I would give one a 9.5. And I think that three is down at like an 8.5 or an 8.75, which is still very quality. It's a good game. But after playing the first two, which of course, you know, are like masterpieces in, in game making, it's it's it is not as good for yeah, for yeah a it pales in comparison. Pales, you say. Pales, it pales. I would reckon most people's top tens are pretty similar, but I imagine our top tens might might be a little interesting. Nick, could you put together a top ten? Yeah, I could probably whip one up. I'm trying to think off the cuff here, and I could probably do ten. I could probably, I mean, ten of them are probably on the Super Nintendo Classic, so it's like, oh yeah, I. I think I maintain and I will hold this position that the Super Nintendo is the greatest console that ever is, was, or will be. And the like the lineup of games that are still among what are considered the best games ever made on that console is is in greater number, I think, than probably any other console. If you were an RPG fan, the Super Nintendo had some bangers. I uh, unfortunately not super into that vibe i've tried to get into some of the like you know the chrono triggers i only like one rpg on the super nintendo and it's mario rpg so and that's definitely like my first rpg i don't know if i played it before after paper mario i just remember uh trading in n64 games to buy super mario rpg after renting it once and being like yeah i want to i want to beat this game i haven't played much of mario rpg i played like my buddy brandon's save and just kind of mess around with it my only context for my RPGs at the time was Superstar Saga on the Game Boy and um, the first Paper Mario game. And it's definitely a much less watered down version of those games. It still has the similar sort of uh, action mechanic where you're pressing A at the right time to do your attacks and defending and stuff like that. But there's actually like equipment and like uh, a party system where you're actually being like, okay, do I want to bring Mallow with me because he's a good healer? Do I want to bring Bowser with me because he's tanky or, you know, you actually have like a party system, which you don't really have in any other Mario RPG, kind of. I mean, you have the partners in Paper Mario, but like they're just, they're just not the same. There's only one true party for Mario RPG. It's been so long since I even played that game that the last time I even tried on the Super Nintendo Classic, I was just like, I got kind of bored before I even got to, uh, oh God, what's the weird fucking dog thing in the sewers with four eyes? I stopped before I got to him, so I was Be-lum. like... Yeah, BLM, I, I I didn't even get very far. Yeah, Gino and Peach for sure. Peach is absolutely busted, bonkers, broken. Can heal basically anybody to full with one like minor level heal. And then it's just like bombing away with... I think the game just wasn't hard enough to like necessitate having to have a pristine party set up unless you're trying to go against Culex early. But that's just Square Enix secret boss bullshit anyway. I'm trying to min-max Mario RPG, baby. <laughs> You guys are talking about Super Nintendo games, and I'm over here thinking about, man, should I play Donkey Kong Land? The first game I booted up on my my GBA flash drive, or EverDrive, whatever, was, maybe we mentioned this on the last pod, Donkey Kong Land was the, the first one, right? That was on the original Game Boy? It was like a weird back port of country right. onto Game Boy. Right. It plays remarkably well. There's Land 1, 2, and 3, then there's a DKC port for Game Boy Color, then there's a 
uh, Donkey Kong Country 1, 2, and 3 for Game Boy Advance, which are all actually a little bit different also. Interesting. So I kind of I want to go through and just really earn my DKC cred. Maybe that's what we'll talk about uh, on the next pod is Donkey Kong Game Boy games. Or maybe we'll talk about Mario RPGs. We have a little bit of experience with those as well. A little bit. I'm excited to go back and play through three with the context of this conversation now. This has been the Console Crusade Podcast. Thanks for bearing with us through uh, this kind of new uh, little format. Nick is about to piss himself, so I'm going to drag this out as long as I can here. I'm the one with the counter. I can stop this whenever I want. (laughs) Find us online. You know, talk shit to us. Uh, You know how it is. Chris, where can they find you? They can find me nowhere. I'm on Instagram now. Um, Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm on Instagram now. What's my Instagram handle? I don't... uh, I don't have it memorized. I have to look at it. Bad shill. I am. I'm terrible at self-promotion. Uh, it, it is Chris underscore Gilly underscore Forer. Chris underscore Gilly underscore Forer? That is correct. There we go. That's that's Gilly, two L's and a Y. That's it. And four with two R's. Well, technically three R's. Yeah. F-O-R-R-E-R. We, you know, we don't even plug the socials anymore because this podcast is basically for like 12 people in the UK who still download every month and our very small circle of friends who uh, graciously still listen to us ramble. But at the end of the day, it's all for me, baby. I want to listen to these when I'm an old, lonely man being like, I used to talk about fun things with my friends. That's crusade!